Good morning, everybody. Uh, man, what a wonderful, great day it's been already. And man, can't you praise the Lord for that? What great, the way maker, right? He is the way maker to, to save our children and our family members, to bring us together to worship God. Mia Tyson's baptism this morning, let's give it up for her and um, her family. Um, overcoming the tech gremlins this morning. Yay! At the big, a big standing ovation in the booth back there. We, we aren't going to let the devil win the day, right? Jesus wins the day. And today we're continuing this series called Devoted. For those who have been with us, you may remember that we've been talking about things that the early church was devoted to according to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And so far we've learned that they were devoted, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. That would be for us in our age, the word of God. They were committed to studying it. They were committed to hearing it. They were committed to listening to it and committed to proclaiming it and teaching others about it. And we as Christians need to be devoted to that teaching as well. The Word of God ought to be a part of our everyday life. Now last week, <coughs> we learned that they were devoted to Christian fellowship. They came together to celebrate the Lord, to serve one another, and to encourage one another. We are better together than we are apart. And we also saw that they would meet together in their homes. They would share meals together. Eating around a table was an important aspect of their relationship. <coughs> and today, excuse me, the gremlins have gotten into me. <coughs> today we're going to learn about a third thing that the early church was devoted to. But before we get there, I want to see how good many of you are in your history. <coughs> how many of you liked history in school? Anybody here like history? All right. This should be no problem for you. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a little pop quiz and uh, you can, right from your seat, you can say whatever the answer is, but we're going to look at some pictures as they appear, and, and I want you to tell me what it is a picture of. Now, I'm going to give you a big hint. <coughs> it is going to be a monument or a memorial, a historical monument or memorial. All right, so y'all ready? Ready to shout out your answers, okay? So let's, let's go. First one. <coughs> what is this? Lincoln Memorial. Who said Lincoln Memorial? You get an A+. Plus. All right. What's the next one? What is that? The Vietnam Memorial. That's right. If you said Vietnam Memorial, you, oh, you're looking way down. Oh! Oh, see, I guess you're right uh, with that. Well, let, let's do the next one. Okay. All right. See, that, that's a closer up of the Washington Monument. All right, let's look at this next one. Anybody? USS Arizona. How many of you have been there? Raise your hand if you've been 
to the Arizona. A few of you have. I imagine that is a very moving, because it really is like a, a, a cemetery for all of those who gave their lives there. All right, let's look at the next one. Does anybody know what this is? 9-11 Memorial. Has anybody been to the 9-11 Memorial? Probably quite a few more. All right, let's look at this final one. What is that? Communion. communion. Now, you know, somebody might ask, you know, why is communion up there with other memorials? Well, for us as Christians who celebrate communion as a memorial to the Lord. Some churches may celebrate this once a month. Some may celebrate it once a quarter. Some may celebrate it just during some holiday seasons. Here at Christ Church, we celebrate it every Sunday. And you know why we celebrate it every Sunday? It's not because necessarily the Bible says, thou shalt celebrate this every Sunday, but it's because regardless of what the topic is that I'm going to preach or whoever's up here is going to preach, we need to be reminded of the main thing. Y'all know what the main thing is? It is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Communion reminds us of this foundational truth. It is the core of the gospel message. <coughs> so the Lord's Supper for us as Christians is our memorial to Jesus. And if you think about it, <clears throat> each one of those other historical memorials commemorated the sacrifice of someone for the greater needs of the many. And that's exactly what the Lord's Supper is all about. So here's the big idea today. Communion is our opportunity to honor the memory of Jesus' sacrifice for the needs of humanity we must treasure that opportunity. <coughs> I'm sorry about my throat. I thought I had it all together. Gremlins. N.T. Wright says that uh, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. Interesting. Communion is a time we take as believers to remember what Jesus did for us. It stands to reason that when we gather together, we would also take communion together and keep ourselves focused on the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, help us to focus our attention on you as we share in holy communion with one another. Let us be quick to forgive, slow to anger, and devoted to one another through the power of your unfailing love. May we treasure the opportunity we have each week to show our honor and respect for the sacrifice Jesus made for us. And in so doing, may we be challenged to a deeper commitment to Jesus and to living a life worthy of his sacrifice. And Father, if I may, just on a personal note, you know I'm struggling with this throat this morning, and it could be a huge distraction for people. 
And I just pray that your spirit would come. And if the throat isn't going to get better, just help us all focus on what it is you want us to hear. Take me out of the equation. Let us hear your word as it's shared. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Breaking bread or communion is incredibly important for us as Christians. And here's why the early church was stubbornly devoted to breaking bread together. There is power in remembrance. So why, why should we take communion? Because there is power in remembrance. Think about ways that you remember things. I, I just showed you a list of memorials that cause us to think back in history to the sacrifices of others. Um, how many of you, now I know a lot of you were born after this, but how many of you remembered 9-11? Do you remember 9-11? Do you remember where you were on 9-11? Okay. See, now my mother could always remember where she was when John Ken John, President Kennedy was killed, assassinated. People back in that generation, and some of you probably remember that too. Uh, I was too little to remember that. But I know 9-11, I know exactly where I was. Um, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever forgotten a birthday or anniversary? Raise your hand if you've forgotten a birthday. Um, now, if, you're, if your spouse is with you, I don't want you to confess that you forgot the anniversary. But uh, what, what do you do? Do any of you have trouble remembering things? Anybody here have trouble? What do you do to remind yourself of something? Just give me some answers. You got a wife that reminds you of things. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. How many of you use uh, phones and you have reminders on your phones and alerts and things like that? Or some of you still have day timers and calendars that you look at and remind you. God gave us something to remember Jesus' sacrifice and it was communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 23, we read, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the, this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So communion is all about remembering Jesus, about remembering his life, his sacrifice on the cross, his body broken for us, his blood, the marker of a new and final covenant between God and man, his death, his resurrection, his promise to come again, to return again for his church. These are realities for the believer that we simply cannot forget. And because communion is implicitly done with others, it follows that we celebrate and remember Jesus together. Now think about it like this. Our common union, the thing that <clears throat> brings believers together all around the world through millennia is Jesus Christ, right? We have friends right now in 
Togo and Rwanda and in India and in Indonesia, friends that we support through our missionary giving that are worshiping Jesus together today, just like we're worshiping Jesus together today. And we talked about this last week when we looked at the practice of fellowship or koinonia as the Greek word is. Our common bond is Jesus. Communion is our divine opportunity to remember him every time we get together in our fellowship. And I think we can all agree as a general rule, humans are pretty forgetful. I think we just established that many of us in the room have a tendency to forget things. Now, I tell you, I got a horrible memory. And look, and this is why I tell people, look, if you're going to tell me something, you probably need to write it down, you know, make, send me a text message. Don't just tell me something on the way out the door because I tell you, I got, I got a bad memory. I can't blame old age on this. It's been with me since I was young. Um, when I was a youth minister at Macedonia Christian Church years ago over in Williamston, I had a friend from Community Christian Church who was getting married. And we often play basketball uh, with each other, you know, uh, as friends. My, my brother was his preacher, and he had invited me to his wedding. And I got, I remind you, I was single at the time, okay? <clears throat> so maybe if I'd been married, it might have helped. But on the wedding day, I went over to see my brother, and I noticed a bunch of cars in the church parking lot, and I didn't really know what was going on. So I went over to the church, and as I get up to the door, out comes my friend and his bride after having just get, gotten married. And I'm standing there in my shorts and my golf shirt, and man, was I embarrassed. And Bert Jenkins is still my friend today. <laughs> Praise God. But he has never forgotten, and he always reminds me. Um, but I, I, again, I say that was all before I was married. I don't think Christy would let that happen today. But it's easy to forget things when they aren't right in front of you. And my problem is that if I don't write it down, I'm bound to forget it. And sometimes, how many of you like me, I forget where to put, I put the note, right? I know I wrote something down. I know something's supposed to happen. Where did I put that note? And I'm trying to get through. Am I the only one here with CRS disease? Y'all know? Richard Hathaway told me that CRS disease is can't remember stuff, right? Now, now, did I say that last week? I, I can't remember whether I said that last week. Uh, but my greatest fear as a preacher is forgetting a wedding or a funeral. I have nightmares about such things. Years ago, I was in charge of the CCF golf tournament. We, we were doing it in Williamston that year. There was a couple uh, from the Macedonian church. They were former uh, kids in my youth group, and they had approached me about doing their, their wedding and uh, so we were going to get together and do some premarital counseling. Um, uh, so uh, I thought, well, you know, I'll be over in Williamston then. And they lived in Williamston so I could meet them at the church after uh, the, the event. Well, with all the stuff going on with the tournament and all the work of cleaning up, putting all the stuff away, I just totally forgot. I, I, it just totally wiped out of my memory. They went to the church to meet me, and I wasn't there. And they decided to choose somebody who had a better memory to do their wedding. And I tell you what, I, I know that I heard them, 
And it made me feel horrible because they thought they weren't important enough for me to remember. Wasn't the case. It's just my poor memory. But in order to combat our forgetfulness, many of us write notes to ourselves. Uh, you remember the guy in uh, the, uh, A Wonderful Life? He had all those things on his finger, little, little strings he would put up there. Uh, we may uh, make recurring events on Google calendars or set alarms on our phones throughout the day. These devices and tricks help us trigger our memories and keep us focused on things that matter. In fact, the practice is almost as ancient as humanity. Look over in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. His, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out from the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Now did you notice that Abram did two things to remember what God had done? He built altars to commemorate these moments with God. And now if, if you've read through the Old Testament any time recently, Maybe you noticed that building altars was a pretty normal practice. And many of them are referred to as altars of remembrance. Now here's what Daniel Passini, a biblical commentator, says about these altars. Our altars of remembrance are a symbol of God's faithfulness in the midst of wilderness change and transition. It's important to remember those times of God's faithfulness for our future self when doubt and difficulty arise in new ways, but they are also a reminder to future generations. These are the defining seasons of our life story that need to be remembered and shared with our children and grandchildren as a means to point them to God. So there is power in remembrance. It ties us to the past and it points us to the future. Jesus did something for us 2,000 years ago that we could not do for ourselves. And because of what he did, we have the hope of a future in heaven that we could not earn ourselves. And with this in mind, we can see how important it is to remember certain points of our faith. We can see why a practice like communion is so important as we collectively focus our memories on Jesus' life, on his death, 
and on his resurrection. We can see why the early church was so devoted to the practice. We can also see why it's so important to keep the practice of communion unpolluted by our division, by our anger, and by our sin. And God knew communion would be useful for that purpose. Which brings us to our second and last thought. It gives us an opportunity to seek reconciliation. So why should we take communion? Because God is using it as an opportunity to reconcile us to himself and to each other. If we're going to look at the practice of breaking bread together, we need to make sure we look at the good and the bad. And with communion specific, or specifically, there's something Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that's worth mentioning. In Matthew 5, beginning in verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So the instruction here is to be mindful of where you take your anger. And in that example, when the altar was still a place to make sacrifices, Jesus said, if you're angry or at odds with another believer, you should go and be reconciled with them before you bring your sacrifice to the altar. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, the apostle Paul warned about taking communion in an unworthy manner. All this to say, I think it's important to remember taking communion is a holy act of worship for those who believe. During communion, we remember Jesus and all he did on our behalf. He traded his life for ours so we could be reconciled to God and become co-heirs in the eternal kingdom of God. That's a pretty huge thing that Jesus did for us. So it makes sense that we should do all we can to be reconciled with others. In other words, to be at peace with our family and our friends and free from the sin of anger and bitterness in our lives. We should be willing to forgive others just as God has forgiven us through Christ and forgive ourselves when Jesus died to forgive us. Years ago at a, a church I served, two families had a dispute over land rights and trees that had been sold on, a, on the piece of property that was in dispute. Now, these two families happened to attend the same church. Forty years later, when I was serving at the church, whenever a member of the opposing family would get up to serve communion in the worship service, a woman from the other family refused to partake of communion. Rather than reconciling, 
She doubled down on her bitterness. I cannot imagine Jesus was honored by her actions. Friends, we should deal with our anger, with our sin, before partaking in communion. Not because it's some random rule we need to follow, and definitely not as a way to exclude people from the communion table, but as believers, we are united in our common bond with Christ, and we should seek unity with others as much as we possibly can. Imagine for a moment an entire church completely devoted to unity and forgiveness and charity and generosity with one another. I know it sounds a little crazy and idealistic and maybe hard, but if I could dream for a moment, I imagine this is the kind of community described in Acts chapter 2. In verse 44, we begin reading, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The American Standard Version translates verse 46, and day by day continuing steadfastly with one accord or in one accord. Uh, just a side note, when I was younger, I had a Honda Accord, and that was my license plate, in one accord. A lot of people didn't get it. But it takes a lot of effort to be in one accord. And that means that we have a lot in common, and we place those common values above our differences. And communion is a tool God has given us to create a space for reconciliation and focusing on what we have in common. We focus on our faith in Jesus and not on what makes us different. In communion, we set aside those differences. We set aside our anger. We set aside our frustrations so we can gaze upon Christ together and remember his sacrifice. In communion, we look back, but we also look forward. We look ahead and we celebrate our future hope as one church under Christ. And so we come to a, a, a close today. And we're going to do things a little differently today because we're going to have communion at the end of the service rather than at the beginning um, or in the middle. Uh, and I'd like for all of us to take some time reflecting on what communion means to us. Now, on the way in today, uh, there were some tables in the back that had some bowls that had the little communion emblems, the bread and the juice together. If you didn't get a chance to get that on the way in, please go ahead and pick that up now if you're going to take communion with us to together today. Um, and as you do, I want us to just use these emblems as a memorial to Jesus for what he did for us in the past. Listen, friends, he took all of our sin upon himself. It was nailed to the cross. I want you just to think about your own life for a second. 
And I want you to think just for a second about the sins that you know you've committed against other people or against Jesus, against God. And I want you to think about all of that sin, all of it, and that Jesus took it all and he nailed it to the cross. Now there is nothing that you have done, and I want you to hear me clearly, there is nothing that you have done that is so bad that Jesus' blood can't cover it. And if you deny that, if, if you're sitting there unable to forgive yourself, I understand that. But listen, Jesus' blood covered it. It's greater than your sin. Accept what he has done for you. Accept that forgiveness and forgive yourself. But don't just look back, look forward to the future. Where do you sense God is leading you? How do you hope to grow in your faith over the next few years? Are there relationships you need to see reconciled? Look to your future in heaven because that's where God wants you. And as we take communion together today, I want to remind you of Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. When the angel Gabriel reminds Mary, the mother of Jesus, for nothing is impossible with God. He is the way maker, right? Nothing is impossible with God. God can and will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you ask or imagine. You just have to be willing. And so if you're here today, dealing with unreconciled sin, God invites you to leave it at the foot of the cross. Jesus came to save you, friend, not to condemn you. Take this opportunity to find peace with him. He loves you. Forgive yourself so that you can fully serve him. He deserves your focus and your honor. Give it to him today as we take this communion together. Think about this for just a moment today and, and then we're gonna take communion together in the Lord. So just go ahead and take out those emblems and ponder on what we've shared. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. 
saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you for this memorial to Jesus. And I pray that, Father, as we took it, that our hearts were focused on the right things. That if we held any bitterness or anger towards others, that we let it go. If we were holding on to our own guilt and shame of sins in our life, that we were able to let it go and trust in the new beginning that we have with you. I pray that as our prayers and our thoughts were lifted to you individually, Lord, that Jesus was honored and worshiped and praised. Thank you for giving us this reminder. And I pray that as we go out this week, we might have less stress and more peace because we came around your table. Help us to reconcile with our brothers and sisters in Christ and experience the unity that will honor Jesus. And help us to tap into the power of this communion, the freedom, the joy, the total release of guilt from our past and the hope of eternity for our future. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.